0: Hello and welcome to Totem Talks with me Helen Fruin and me Mark Smith. We are, well I am personally very excited today to be kicking off our new podcast series called Three Conversations. Now this is all to do with my book. Uh, In writing a book about how to have difficult conversations, how to get what you want, by having difficult conversations or honest conversations, should we say they don't have to be difficult, but mm-hmm. we tend to think they're going to be difficult? Uh, what I'm doing as part of writing the book is interviewing plenty of people to ask them about their experiences. Oh, how exciting! Well, it should be exciting for you because you're being interviewed today.
1: I always, I always feel like I'm being interviewed on these podcasts. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I just get so the, the way that
0: I stick a spotlight in your face. Yeah,
1: and the Helen Fruin stare.
0: Mm.
1: Mmm.
0: Probably need to work on that stare. No,
1: I like that stare. It's it's good. (laughs) Positively
0: intimidating. (laughs) So the whole idea with three conversations is that I'm going to ask you about what's a big conversation, a big, probably something that has been life-changing for you, something that you could have easily avoided because the whole thing about big scary conversations is that we don't want to have them Mm -hmm. and so I'm interested to know about that big conversation for you that you started it's different if someone else starts it Mm -hmm. and then in case that sounds too intimidating to always be talking about big scary conversations what about the little everyday conversations that make Over time, actually, a a pretty significant difference to our lives. So, we've got big conversation, little conversation, Mm -hmm. and then a conversation about conversations.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I am prepared.
0: Prepared. Yes. What I mean by that third one is what have you learned about conversations? What advice would you give to other people on having conversations? Ooh.
1: I actually have prepared for this, people, so that wasn't a surprise when she asked that question.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was more explaining it to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, you know a, yeah. I know what's coming. Yeah.
1: yeah. I've thought about this, so yeah.
0: Excellent. So let's dig in with your big conversation. What is something that's been big and scary for you, but you're actually chuffed to bits that you did it?
1: So just to pre-frame this one, as you know from previous podcasters, podcasting, dear listeners. Is um, I've quite quite a big thing for working with men, and challenging some of the ideas of masculinity that we have. And this conversation that I had is very much linked to that, and is partly what has driven some of my recent uh, desire to work with men. Um, I told my wife that I wanted to have an affair to her face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it sounds mm, mm. it, <laughs>
1: it wasn't via text message and i didn't do the deed and then tell her i wanted to have an affair um no i told her uh, straight up and uh, as you can imagine that 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 was a very f- frightening <laughs> conversation to start oh my goodness
0: if you're going to start with something big and scary i think you've just ripped the plaster off and gone for the biggest, scariest yeah. thing. Yeah, so how do
1: you tell your wife? Actually, love, I'm thinking about doing the dirty on you. Um, it was, imp- obviously, I mean, yeah, I think most people, anybody with any whiff of empathy about them will will understand um, how difficult that conversation was mm. and why potentially it was quite a difficult conversation to have. Um, but the important thing is it, it liberated me. It did, it changed me um
0: what had led up to that because you don't just turn up one day oh by the way love I'm thinking of having an affair what what had led because I imagine this had been something you'd been thinking about for some time what would had been the process to get you to that moment
1: uh I, I think I was having a, a midlife crisis I, I don't know I, I'm, I'm still sort of working my way through that whole period of my time but it was about 18 months ago and I sort of, <laughs> I, I was approaching that that time in a man's life where he looks he looks about his kingdom <laughs> and goes, Really? Is that is that it? <laughs> oh God, oh no, what am I going to do now? And then he looks in the mirror and thinks, You know what, if I go to the gym, I've probably got another couple of years of looking good in me. You know what? And it, it almost snowballs into right. this kind of, This is my final time <laughs> as a young and virile man. Um, I think that's what it was for me. I don't know. I mean, I've seen it obviously happen uh, with a lot of other men my age mm. and women, in fact. Mm. Um, and I, th- there is a lot of that to you know. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'm still looking pretty good. My husband really doesn't, you know, he's not really into me. You know, sex has dried up a little bit. You know, let's just get on with doing something extracurricular. Um, <laughs> I think that happens quite a lot. And it was mm. starting to happen to me. Um, and I think my initial response was to stop putting lots of shiny toys in the garage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, after that, there was this kind of regret about putting shiny toys in the garage because obviously I've got a mortgage to pay as well. So I'm like, <laughs> good, good grief. There's, you know, there's like three years worth of mortgage payments sitting in the garage at the moment. Um, and then it became more of an existential question um, about have I achieved everything? Is this Is this it? I mean, you know, I live comfortably on a comfortable estate in the middle of the country earning a reasonable wage and I think for, for for many men in particular that sense of you're not going to change the world mm-hmm. through the course of 20 years of making some very very sensible and occasionally passionate choices you know like who to marry and all of these wonderful things eventually those life choices lead you down pretty much a cul-de-sac it's quite a nice <laughs> cul-de-sac and you know you've got nice neighbors around you and it's, you know some people in a similar boat to you and it's all very nice but you know, it's not the exciting, the passion, the, 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 the verve that you have for life and experience that you do as a younger man. That begins to weigh on you. It certainly began to weigh on me because I wasn't able to communicate or talk about it properly. It was beginning to fester mm. internally. And it naturally led to sort of having thoughts about an affair, I think. And I think for me, when when you leave something in the dark and you're not able to talk about it and it becomes your own internal narrative. And you know that it's, for want of a better word, forbidden.
0: Right. Um,
1: it can really twist into something nasty. And it can often twist into just action. And it's that you can't undo an action. You can ask for forgiveness and you might get it. But the point would be to not do it in the first place and explore why it's happening. So that was the motivation behind uh, having a conversation with my wife. And
0: I think what's interesting is that that sounds like a long journey and, and lots of difficult reflections and, you know, really hard times that you were going through. And I, I take your point as well that if you then left that in the in the darkness, not able to talk about it. You know, so many of these conversations that I have, people say there's something about biting the bullet and having the conversation. Mm. So how did you then have the conversation?
1: I knew that I had something to say, but I knew that I needed to to say it in the right environment at the right time, um, to just you know drop it over breakfast—bit <laughs> <laughs> a of a shock, completely out of the blue. Spit that,
0: out your cocoa <laughs> pops Yeah, I
1: mean that's not what you want to do.
0: So I, I, I,
1: I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I was going to do it soon, and it was just a case of waiting for the the right moment. So you know, both of us in a comfortable environment, both of us were having conversations of a longer term nature anyway, in terms of um, you know the work and the house, and it was. And then there was a uh, a bit of time about reflecting about how we're doing uh, within ourselves because we've just come out of Christmas, so there's obviously uh, resolutions and such with that. So it it just seemed like, uh, as a couple, we were in quite a community of space anyway. Mm. Uh, We both had enough gin in us to make it uh, a little less painful. Um, And I reminded myself that I haven't done anything wrong.
0: Right.
1: I haven't done anything wrong. I'm okay. I'm just thinking about it, and I'm a man. Men <laughs> think about having sex with other women all the time <laughs> all the time. we can't do anything about it so forgive myself, recognize that I've done nothing wrong, and actually this is just a quirk of being a bloke um, and to try and share that with my wife in that way mm-hmm. as opposed to the another way you could have I could have gone was I'm thinking about having an affair it's because. I don't love you. I don't find you attractive anymore. Mm. That route, you're going to, you knew. (laughs) You just (laughs) knew. You just knew. Don't don't walk down that road, brothers. Just (laughs) (laughs) hold fire. But in this case, it it was me. It was my internal monologue. It was my changing desires. It was my reflections on life Mm -hmm. that were bringing me to quite a surprising conclusion. And I needed someone I trusted to talk to.
0: Well, there's certainly a challenge about our ability to have these difficult conversations with the people that we've chosen to spend our lives with. I Mm. think that's a a really interesting challenge. I guess something I want to bring up at this point is our podcasts tend to be about business. And certainly the book that I'm writing is kind of focused on business, although clearly all of the ideas about how to have honest, difficult, tricky conversations, all of those ideas apply to business and personal Mm -hmm. life. But I guess there's a question for me about why are you sharing this in a business podcast?
1: I think a lot of us, when we go into a difficult conversation, even in, at home or in a work setting, we've already planned what the other person is going to say and how they're going to react. And that's really unfair on them. They're an individual. They're entitled to react how, how in any way, shape or form they're going to. And for you to presuppose that, um, it's not helpful. Because your imagination is is always going to walk down the, they're going to lose their mind and they're going to start screaming at you, Root. That didn't happen.
0: That is interesting because I hear that again and, you know, people don't say, how do I react if the other person listens and asks questions and <laughs> engages with me calmly? It's exactly. always, what do I do if they get angry, if they quit, if they ask for a divorce, or they start if they crying cry. or they start throwing stuff
1: at me. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever says, what do I do if they're really calm and rational about it?
0: I guess because we're not worried about that, right? We We, we wouldn't panic about if they respond calmly and rationally and...
1: I don't know about that. Some people, when they react calmly, you're like, mm.
0: <laughs> "There's fire burning beneath."
1: <laughs> you just make eye contact and you see the flames. Um So yeah, it, it's it's about it's about whatever conversation you're going to have mm-hmm. in any context. There is an element of preparation on your part and making sure you, you nail the things that you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't don't fill in the gaps for the other person in the conversation. Um that's not helpful to you, and it's it's a it's a judgment against them um just let them be a part of the conversation
0: okay and I suppose we we started this by me asking a conversation that you're really glad you had where Where are we in terms of outcome of this uh to to have made this a conversation you're really glad that you had?
1: I'm glad I had it because um it it showed me that I can have these conversations with my wife and that that that's hugely powerful because if I can have this conversation with my wife that means I can have any conversation Mm. with my wife so the second one is that the the thing that was eating me and and that I'd buried inside and said you know this is something forbidden that I'm not allowed to talk about bringing that in that out into the light you know massively helped me and I think I probably skipped 18 months worth of mental man pain um <laughs> just fretting about my midlife right uh i went straight to the end okay and I, I, I did it without having an affair um i did it without having you know bought a ferrari that's knackered and i'm constantly fixing in the garage uh, you know i i got through the process that i see so many men struggling with for, for an extended period of time and i have to wonder and i'm beginning to ask questions of other people is it just because you're not know allowed to talk about it? Mm. Um, and so that's what I'm currently working through with a, f- a few male friends. Um, because I think there's some power in in talking.
0: Absolutely. Always. That's why I'm writing the book, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think what's so powerful uh, when you talk to your male clients, because there's a sense that obviously most of our work is executive coaching it's Mm -hmm. it's speaking about business but to suggest that our personal lives don't come into that you know if i'm struggling with that kind of mental health challenge with not feeling comfortable with my identity anymore worrying about thinking of having an affair that's Mm. going to be affecting my thinking at work yeah and so creating a space where people feel safe to talk about those things is so powerful yeah so that's quite a lot on the big conversation. What about a little conversation? What about something that just, you know, it's not really that big a deal, but you're really quite pleased that you did it. Um,
1: so this, the, the second littler conversation, um, there are a number of uh, people in my life uh, who are formidable characters. I'll give them that. And I love them to bits. I love their formidability, if that's a word. Love that word, formidability. She, she has formidability. <laughs> um, and yeah so i'm i'm we're at a a party one day or something and one of one of these friends of ours said something and she said well obviously i'm not that intimidating am i and i just i put my gin down and said actually love you are and it's like the dj scratched the record to start (laughs) the whole party (gasps) he said what um the broader context is, was it started a, a bigger conversation with that lady? It was done really gently and beautifully, and just you know those perfectly timed moments where you can actually just be a little bit honest. It wasn't cutting in any way. It was it was a it was a really fun moment actually uh, for most people I think who saw it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that 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 developed a great friendship with that lady mm. from that because I was the only one who had the minerals to to actually talk to her as right. opposed to just cow right. before her. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did that.
0: Interesting. And I guess there's, uh, well, gin seems to have been a theme. Oh yeah, so gin's a
1: theme everywhere I go. I don't know why. <laughs> it just follows me. It's like I've got a little gin van in the background.
0: <laughs> and uh the, just kind of, because that's, It doesn't sound like something you've prepared to say, right? It's just in the moment. Mm. She said, well, I don't think I'm that intimidating. And you've gone straight back and said, yes, actually you can be. Uh, So that suggests a lack of preparation, not something that you really had in mind you wanted to say.
1: I had no idea I'd be given the opportunity to have that conversation. But I think um, I'm now very conscious about those opportunities. And I take them whenever I can, because I think developing relationships through honest conversations is the best way to develop the best relationships
0: okay and I think we've talked before about the the trust that you build by being yourself vulnerable and building trust with people by being honest about the things you find difficult as my goodness you've done in our podcast today so I think it's it's not just a case of saying say what you see be blunt. Say what you like. You've, yeah. you've earned that trust. You've earned that position. Yeah, I to say
1: think. That. The, the, I think. I think. We've read somewhere recently. Um, honesty doesn't need to be brutal. Mm. Um, Brené that, Brown. Brené Brown. Yeah, that's really and that's challenged me actually because I, I've had, you know, brutal honesty is is a useful tool. Actually, I think I need. I, I need to. I haven't used. I haven't been brutally honest with people. I've just been honest. Okay. Um, I think, and a lot of people confuse honesty with brutal honesty. Mm. Um, You know, brutal honesty for me is malicious use of honesty. Okay. Um, So there's a difference, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I think we've already covered a bit of the, what have you learned by this? You've talked about not preparing or not Mm over-preparing. What else would you say in terms of your top tips? What have you learned about how to have good conversations?
1: So for me, prayer is... Is a really powerful tool, and I, I I know some people listening won't be Christians. Um, they may not be religious at all. Um, but when I begin to pray for somebody, and if I was in a secular kind of space, if I was to begin to think about that other person as an individual, mm-hmm. I begin to say, "Well, okay, so this person, they're loved. You know, they have a family somewhere. They have friends, and they have." people in their lives who care about them. They okay. make people laugh. You know, They, they, they cry, they hurt, they bleed. Um, and I want to honor that. When okay. you begin to put the person that you're having a conversation with into that kind of mental space, as you quite easily do during prayer, um, you begin to not worry about the conversation that you're having so much. You begin to mm. think about, actually, how can I honour this person during this mm. process? I need to tell this person that they're being made redundant or that they smell bad or that they need to change their work ethic. Those, that, that sort of micro view of the conversation mm. is quite an intimidating place to be. But when you step back and say, okay, so this person keeps turning up late for work, I wonder what's going off in their broader life. I wonder if they're struggling with their family. How can I honour any difficulties they're having? And so, for me, by praying, or if I was in a secular place, um, by just considering them the macro landscape of that mm. person's life um, and being really mindful and wanting to do the best by them, it changes the nature of the conversation. You suddenly lose all nervousness about what you need to say and you walk into that conversation with with um, concern for them, with mm-hmm. you know potentially love for them of a, of a variety. Um And the conversation is massively different to how your imagination has been framing it before. Yeah. Um,
0: That's fascinating because I do hear so many people talk about going into conversations, particularly like you say, you know, you keep turning up late for work, your your work ethic's not good enough, and the assumption is you're lazy, you don't care, I, I don't respect you, you don't respect me, you don't respect this workplace. So to shift that mindset to... This is someone's brother, mm. father, mother, sister, loved one, spouse, partner. It just completely changes your mindset to actually, yeah, as you say, how do you honor this person? And that's a really fascinating idea of preparing for these conversations by imagining this person. Yeah, in their you, wider context. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, I guess in the sense that I don't, I don't prepare in the sense that I've got a script ready. Mm. I mean, obviously, I, I have got some some notes in terms of what I need. I have to say, sure. But I emotionally prepare, I think, is, is is where it's at.
0: Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I think um, if I add this to the toxic masculinity one, you are very good at just <laughs> ripping the <laughs> plaster off and being... Uh, well, what I would see as painfully honest about things that you've experienced, but I'm sure, as you say, because we know that so many people experience these things, mm. to just be honest about it in this kind of published environment is amazing. So... Thank you for your honesty.
1: Oh, no problem. Always going to be honest with you.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. As always, go and subscribe, go and sign up, go and look us up in more detail. Uh, Links underneath on where you can find us and we will see you next week.
1: Take care, everybody.